Week 58 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I guess this is week three of season two. I don't know. I've, I've stopped counting. Another week in quarantine, America, but everybody's anxious to get going, so let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I, as citizens, have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are, as a people, not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle, not the bullet. And a secret proceedings. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. So everybody wants to open up, and Trump has decided to make wearing a mask a new culture war reference, which is just mind-boggling to me. He has all of the people that work for him wear masks when they're around him now. He lives in this, I mean, bubble of the best testing in the world, yet he says that Testing is, you know, overrated. Okay, like, okay. So let me just put it out there. If the president wants people not to wear masks, he should not have anybody around him wear masks inside the Oval Office. And I'm told that this is not just a choice. He's trying to say, oh, it's a choice at the press conference the other day. No, no. Everybody around the president wears a mask now. He should also disband his testing protocol. If it's safe to go outside, if it's safe for me and you and and our families and people who work in meat processing plants and in retail and in, uh, you know, wherever, if it's safe for them to go to work without a testing protocol in place, because there really is no national testing protocol, then the president should remove his testing protocol. And we need to just stop with the nonsense about this mass culture war, which is emerging. The president, if he wants the economy to get going and people not to come down with this disease, the president needs to encourage every American to wear a mask, including people who like to wear red hats on their head. People who like to carry around big guns to compensate for, uh, to overcompensate for their little you-know-whats. I have said this to them before, and I will say this to them again. If you want to dress up in camouflage and carry a big gun, we have a perfectly good army for you to join. Okay, we have a perfectly good army. There's a war going on somewhere in the world almost all the time. Go carry your big gun into battle for your country and stop bringing it to protests. I'm sorry, when you bring a gun to the protest, it's not really a protest anymore, is it? Yeah, the president needs to get on board with the mask policy that his CDC recommended five weeks ago. 
The president also needs to get on board with the policy for reopening that is CDC initiated weeks ago and stop encouraging protests against the governors in this country who are actually following the guidelines that the White House Coronavirus Task Force at a press conference with the President of the United States unveiled to the nation four weeks ago. I mean, he, he's encouraging protests wherever he goes. He's going to Michigan this week. He will encourage a protest against Governor Whitmer, who is following his guidelines. He is follow, She is following the President's own guidelines. The guidance set forth by the CDC and the White House Coronavirus Task Force, Mike Pence, laid it all out, a guide to reopening America, and yes, they're voluntary, but that's the guidance they gave, and they're following that guidance. And the president's encouraging protests against states that are following his own guidance. He speaks out of both sides of his mouth so that he can have it both ways, right? That's really what this boils down to. If people don't follow the White House guidance and there's another outbreak, he's going to blame the governors in those states for that outbreak. He's going to say, you didn't follow my guidance. But meanwhile, he's encouraging, you know, base bait, really, his base nuts to just go out there and protest. And and look, these haven't been large protests by any stretch of the imagination. I think the media has blown it out of proportion to a large large extent. Um, But this guy's encouraging it. I don't understand how he could speak. Look, I do understand. He's a complete hypocrite, narcissist, big old whiny little cur, baby, whatever you want to call him, not presidential. Now, you know, Republicans are running around with their hair on fire because Barack Obama launched some mild criticism in their general direction. I mean, we, we all heard that internal conference call last week where he said the response has been a chaotic disaster, which is pretty accurate, right? It is a real accurate way to describe the federal response to this. But Obama gave a commencement address to the nation this weekend. And I don't know if you watch it. I did. It was it was awesome seeing Barack Obama. It made me sad because I remember how we used to have good presidents in this country. And um, in that speech, he said to the subject, the effect I'm paraphrasing here, you know, we used to think that there were people who knew what they were doing in charge. And clearly that's not the case right now. Right. He didn't mention Trump by name, but they're losing their mind. They got their panties all in a bunch. It's nonsense. By the way, am I allowed to say that? I, I don't I don't even know. I'm gonna keep saying it. Email me, go to at Christopher Hahn on Twitter or ChristopherHahn.com. Shoot me a message if I'm not supposed to say that. Um, but I'm gonna keep saying it. I'm a Gen Xer. I, you know, I, I mean no disrespect. There are plenty of men who wear panties. Okay. Um it's a it's a nonsense thing that this president is. All bent out of shape. So in response to Obama joining the fray, or maybe just because, you know, they're trying to distract, which is really what it is, right? They're trying to distract. The president tweets out Obamagate. And of course, I'm a liberal on Fox News. I've been forced to talk about Obamagate multiple times. I don't really understand what crime he's pretending Obama committed, but he you know, facts never really stopped him. I mean, they, they chanted lock her up for Hillary Clinton and they had no crime, right? Um, but let me try to break this down for you. 
There was a guy who was the national security advisor for the president of the United States for the first like week and a half of his presidency. His name is General Michael Flynn. General Michael Flynn had been the uh, head of the Defense Intelligence Agency under Barack Obama, but he was so incompetent in that job that Barack Obama fired him. Now, remember, the Defense Intelligence Agency which is basically the agency that coordinates all of the national security information and intelligence gathering apparatus from uh, you know, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, etc. Coordinates it, works with the NSA to process it. He was the head of that. He got fired by Obama. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with James Bond villains, but there's always some general who was fired and then they go work for the enemy or they become the enemy. That's who he became. He went and worked with Putin. He went and worked with Erdogan, who is a dictator in Turkey. He was advocating for things that were against the interest of the United States and against the interest of democracy around the world. He took those jobs. And while he was doing those very lucrative jobs, Donald Trump decided to run for president didn't have a lot of national security experience, didn't have a lot of people who took him seriously in the beginning. So fools like Mike Flynn were really the only national security types available to, to Donald Trump early in his presidency, or excuse me, in his campaign even. And Michael Flynn got on board with Donald Trump really early. He was a major player in the Trump campaign, all the while on the payroll of RT, Russia Today, which is owned by the Russian government, Vladimir Putin. There was a dinner in 2016 with Vladimir Putin um, and and uh, Dr. Uh, Jill, what's her name, who ran uh, uh, for uh, for president, Jill Stein, who ran for president on the Green Party, took some votes away from Hillary Clinton in Michigan. That could have been vital. Um, there's General Flynn shaking hands with his boss, Vladimir Putin. The day of the presidential election, there was an op-ed written by Mike Flynn advocating for uh, Erdogan's positions in the United States of America. And all the while, he's advising the incoming president of the United States, not disclosing this on his forms that you fill out when you become the national security advisor for the president, the background check forms, lied on his FBI background check. Well, Trump gets inaugurated January 20th, a couple days into the administration. Now, now Trump was warned by Obama, don't hire General Flynn. He's bad news. It's the only warning Obama gave him. Obama's like, look, man, you won. It is what it is. But let me just give you a piece of advice. Don't hire this guy. He's bad news. Bad news and probably, he probably said he was incompetent. I'll get to that in a minute. So Flynn gets approached by the FBI after, during the transition, he made a phone call to the Russian ambassador that was recorded by the uh, CIA or the FBI or whoever, but the phone call was recorded. In that phone call, an American is telling the Russians, don't worry about the sanctions Obama put on you for interfering with the elections. Don't retaliate. We'll take care of it when we become president. Well, that phone call was recorded. The FBI goes to the White House to speak to Flynn, who was the former head of the National Defense, excuse me, the Defense Intelligence Agency and the current National Security Advisor to the President. So if anybody should know that foreign ambassadors, particularly from our adversarial countries like Russia, 
their phone conversations are being listened to by the NSA, you would think that the former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency and the current National Security Advisor would know that. He's asked about that phone call. He's read words from that phone call. He says that phone call never happened in that interview. He was given multiple opportunities to correct the record. He didn't. So a couple weeks later, a couple days later, this comes out. He is then fired by Donald Trump. The excuse they say is that he lied to Mike Pence and then Mike Pence lied to the nation on Meet the Press. I don't believe that for a minute. I think everybody knew. I think Trump told Flynn to go call the Russians and tell the Russians, don't worry about it. Everything will be okay when we become president. Flynn is fired. Mueller then, the Mueller investigation begins because after Flynn's fired, Trump tells Comey, go easy on Flynn. Comey freaks out. Um, Trump fires Comey. The special prosecutor is appointed. You know what happened after that. He gets prosecuted. He uh, he cuts a plea deal. He's supposed to be cooperating with Mueller. He really doesn't cooperate with Mueller. Um, he was supposed to be sentenced a year ago. Probably would get six months. Sentenced for the crime of lying to the FBI. Not the various other things that he was doing. Right? There were various other crimes. Failing to disclose that you were representing a foreign leader. There may have been other things there too. We don't know the, the entire extent of it. The judge in the case does. So the president of the United States had fired this guy. He's being prosecuted. Sentences delayed a year. Uh, there is a you know uh, an attorney general who's not really on the same page with the president, Jeff Sessions. He's trying to be like all attorney generals. He's trying to have impartial justice and let the professionals within the Justice Department do their jobs, which was a surprise to me because I'm not a big fan of Jeff Sessions. Who would have thought? So here we are. It's been a year. He should have been sentenced. He pled guilty. The court has accepted the plea, the federal district court. Now the attorney general is Bill Barr, President Trump's lapdog. And Trump doesn't, Bill Barr doesn't want to have to make Trump, um, you know, give a pardon to Flynn. Oh, that might be too politically, you know, horrible. So he says, I'm going to drop the charges. Now that's highly unusual, America. Look, charges do get dropped. But they get dropped because there's new information. And there is no new information here about Michael Flynn. In fact, everything that Flynn is charged with is true. Flynn has admitted it. There is evidence to the fact. They're trying to say that the question that the FBI asked was irrelevant. And therefore, it you know wasn't part of the whole, you know, shouldn't have been part of the process. Now, the judge refused to accept it. Now, I used to work in federal district court. And the judge I worked for said to me, Chris, do you know the difference between God and a federal district court judge? And I said, no, your honor. And he said, God does not think he's a federal district court judge. That was the judge that told me that joke. Once the judge, it once the decision's in the hands of the judge, he's not going to let the attorney general pull that back from him. So this judge has asked for amicus briefs um, for people who are interested in this matter because he knows that the Justice Department knows what their position is. I expect he'll rule sometime at the end of the summer. And I expect he'll sentence Flynn to six months in jail, which he'll serve two or three. Uh, Trump could pardon him at that time. They could appeal it. Who knows what's going to happen. But this part that I want to point out, Flynn made this phone call. People within the Obama administration want to know who was on that phone call. 
when when there was a phone call between a foreign foreign diplomat and a uh, American, you only see the name of the foreign diplomat in the in the security briefings. The NSA knows who's on the other line, but they don't put that in the briefing. You have to ask for that person to be unmasked. It is a routine. It happens all the time. It's happened thirty nine thousand times in the Trump administration. Thirty nine thousand times. Um, it's not something that is scandalous. Barack Obama, Joe Biden, anybody on the list that they're trying to, to, to hand out that says, oh, these Democrats are just trying to bring down the Trump, any one of them could have seen that name legitimately. None of them leaked it to the press. There's no evidence of that. In fact, I think if, if, you know, if I had to bet, the Russians leaked it to the press. But this is their latest distraction. I mean, it's a rerun, right? It's Spygate, you know, volume two. It is a, you know, they're running out of ideas. He wants to run the 2016 campaign again. All The problem is he's the president. You can't run as an outsider who everybody's against to when you're the president. You can't say that the cupboards were bare three and a half years into your presidency, that there was no plan when there was a plan. Not only was there a pandemic plan, Sorry, I'm like going off on a tangent here. Not only was there a pandemic plan, but the Obama administration drilled that plan with Trump's team during transition. All those people are gone now because, you know, who's going to work for this guy for four years and have to, you know, bow to him every five minutes? So that's their plan, America. Distract. Divide. Oh, you're wearing a mask? Oh, you must love you must love uh, Clinton if you're wearing a mask. And that, by the way, I said that on purpose, right? Oh, you must have been for Hillary if you weren't a, if you weren't a mask. Oh, you're gonna vote for Joe Dementia? I mean, that's their plan, not to run on his record because his record sucks, right? Literally the worst president in the history of this country. And the thing is, is if he does win, and and I don't think he will, it means we have a nation of people who just don't care. They just don't care about facts. They just don't care about right or wrong. They don't care about competence. They could be sold a bill of goods by anybody. We are a nation of suckers if we vote for this guy again. A nation of suckers. I hope to God we're not. I don't think we are. I think we're going to I think the guy's going to lose 40 states. I I don't see him having that I don't see him drawing that inside straight flush again. I see this country flushing him out to sea. Cause it's time for him to be flushed out to sea, America. I mean this is just this has gone on long enough. So I know I went around and around there trying to explain why Obamagate is dumb. Uh you know, I was on TV with Matt Schlapp last week. It got a little uh went a little viral. I said it was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Give me a break. Flynn's behaving like a Bond villain. I think I'm giving him too much credit. Call him a Bond villain. A Bond villain would have understood that the NSA was recording that conversation. He's more like an Austin Powers villain. He's like, and not Dr. Evil, like one of the sidekicks for Dr. Evil. Not, you know, it, it's that's who he is. He's like the general in, uh, around the table with Dr. Evil, whoever that guy was. I can't remember his name. Somebody write me and tell me what it is. Uh, but again, the podcast is growing, guys. I really do appreciate it. A lot of people listened to it last week. I hope you subscribed. I hope you listened to it again. hope I didn't just bore you with my soliloquy on, on uh, Obamagate and why Flynn's an Austin Powers villain, but he is. 
Uh, and today's podcast is brought to you by Warby Parker. Friends of the pod, go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han for a special in-home trial. You could try out five pairs for five days risk-free in your home with prescriptions, right? You try them around that. Look, you're not going out to get them right now. And even if you live in one of those states that are open, you know, why why risk it? Go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. Pick out five pairs. They're going to mail them to you. Uh, you're going to try them on. You're going to wear them for a couple days. If you like them, you keep them. You pay $95 per pair. If you don't like them, they give you an envelope. You send them right back to them. It's just that simple. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Give it a try. And for every pair you buy, they are going to donate a pair to somebody in need. And given that Trump's destroyed our economy and there's almost 40 million Americans out of work right now, a lot of people need these glasses. So go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. All right, I got a I got an excellent guest for you here. She is running against Kevin McCarthy. Now we all know who Kevin McCarthy is, but her name is Kim Manjone, and uh, she's a a former Air Force vet. Uh, she's a uh, she was a single mom. She's a single grandma now, uh, and she's worked her way through life, uh, salt of the earth kind of person. She's trying to unseat this guy. Take a listen to my interview with Kim, and I'll be right back after that. You're listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Kim Mangone is a retired U.S. Air Force re- veteran, a single mom, and a systems engineer who's running against a person who, I, I, I'm sorry, America, uh, if you look up a bad actor in the dictionary, Kevin McCarthy's face is there. How this guy went from being so disgraced that he couldn't be Speaker of the House to now being the majority leader of, uh, excuse me, the minority leader of the House Republicans is beyond me. But Kim's trying to change that. She's trying to take him out. Kim, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself today? I, you know, it, it couldn't be better here in New York. Beautiful day. I mean, other than the fact that we're all on lockdown still, uh, but yeah. it was a beautiful day here in New York. Uh, I fortunately got outside a lot and I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited to be talking to you over there in California's 23rd congressional district. You're taking on Kevin McCarthy, who, you know, is a jerk. Let's just, let's just call him what he is. You won't say it probably, but I will. Tell me how you came to I run try for. To refrain from name calling. <laughs> yeah, don't don't name call. It's bad. I shouldn't even do it either. Uh, how did you come to run for Congress? Um, after I retired, I started getting more involved in politics, and I looked at my district, and I looked at Kevin McCarthy's voting record, and everything he votes for um, hurts the people, and everything he's voted against. Um, uh, also, you know, hurts the people. I mean, it, it, I'm sorry. It hurts the people when he votes for it, and when he votes against it, it also hurts. The yeah, he just doesn't. And, he doesn't care about the people. He cares about like one or two donors that that give to him. Yes, he he has a lot of uh, uh, big money donors, and that's who he answers to. I mean, he's one of the leaders of uh, the one of the leaders of the that wrote the legislation to get rid of the ACA. Yeah. Um, you know, this year alone, he's voted against HR three, which this was uh, to get prescription drug costs under control. And uh, the latest thing I've seen is where he's actually been talking to Steve King and working out something so they can get him back on committees. Yeah, it's crazy. I bet. I, I, I mean, that's just uh, he's leading. How does how does a representative from California, a representative from California? work with a guy like Steve King, who is clearly a bigot, particularly against Latinos. I mean, what he said about, uh, you know, uh, Mexicans crossing the borders with uh, cantaloupes for calves. 
Um, you know, that's a racist thing yeah. against Latino. And this guy represents California, a state that's got what, like 50% of the residents are uh, a, a Latino? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as of 2010, we actually have 42% Latino in our district. Wow. And that he is supporting somebody like that is, I, I don't understand it. it, I, it it's amazing. I just don't. So, so, what are some of the things that you find particularly egregious? I mean, obviously, working with Steve King uh, is just atrocious. But other than that, mm-hmm. and, and there are lots of things to choose from, what are the things that you think are particularly bad for your constituents, potential constituents? Well, yeah, there's there's quite a number of things. Um, like for the environment, um, he has not voted, he has not even acknowledged that we have a climate change problem. Uh, so that, to me, is... is is a real issue. Uh, we have a jobs pro- problem here in my district, even before the coronavirus, um, it, you know, where we have the high unemployment. And my thought is, you know, okay, let's get some jobs training out here in our district. Let's get funding out here in our district. Right. Train the, and train the people. Um, healthcare, um, homelessness. Um, there's, we've got a lot of issues, which, you know, nationwide issues, um, that he's not paying attention to. Uh, veterans Affairs, and the, the, we have a high veteran population, and yet he's supporting uh, Trump when Trump pulls money away from the military and veterans to build his wall. Crazy. I, crazy. I'm talking, to, by the way, I'm talking to Kim Mangone. She's a candidate for Congress uh, in California's 23rd. I have extended an invitation to Kevin McCarthy, but he's a little cur, and he will not join us, I'm sure. Uh, but we've extended the invitation. If he wants to come on the Chris Hahn Show, he's welcome to do so, and I will beat him up uh, when he comes for all the votes he's taken, all the bad things he's done in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to get in touch with Kim, she's at Kim Mangone on Twitter. That's the best place to find her. I follow her. Uh, so, Kim, uh, campaign, this is a tough seat. Um, obviously, uh, redistricting a year in California, and I'm hopeful that they're going to just cut him out. I know they've got laws in California that don't allow gerrymandering, but I think that given the fact that when Republicans control states, they gerrymander things to beyond even you know anything realistic, maybe California should do the same. Yes. Yes, I I, I hope that he, well, they might end up cutting me out, but yes, yeah. I, we do need to redistrict. We need to make sure it's a, it's a fair district. And if you looked at our district lines, they're kind of crazy here also. I mean, it looks like uh, that somebody stuck a fix right in the middle of the district and took out a chunk. It's very odd. Right. But, um, yeah, the, the, the biggest thing is, like I said, t- paying attention to your constituents. And since he's not, I mean, it's been since 2010 that this guy had a town hall meeting that actually addressed people instead of doing these these teletown halls where yeah. I, it's all... Yeah, he doesn't want anybody to ask him a real question. That's why he won't come on no. my show. So it's, you know, no. it is what it is. I am looking forward to uh, debating him. Do you think he will actually show up and debate? Um, I don't know. We'll find out. I, I'm hoping so, because I would like to ask him why he keeps voting against the people in his district. And, uh, you know, he shows up for photo ops, but he doesn't actually show up to help the people in the district. So, so Kim, are you getting any help from the National Party? Are, are there people reaching out? I mean, this is a guy who most people despise. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, you know, it, it I would think that you're going to get some help uh, in this race. Yes, I, I expect to be getting help. I'm, they've already reached out and we're already talking. And so they're already helping me. Uh, we 
we were setting up to do the canvassing and and the, the, with Kadem, which is the California Democrats and um, the California Democratic Party um, is uh, is called Kadem. And what it is 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 they were they set up an office in Bakersfield, and we were going to start canvassing and phone banking. And of course, the coronavirus, we can't yeah. do that. So we're finding alternative ways to uh, to get out. Get the message out to the people. And this is your first run for public office, or have you served before or ran before? No, this is my first run for public office. And it's I just don't go ahead. Oh, and I and what drove me to run was I said I looked at my history and my background and said, you know what, I have walked in a lot of shoes. I understand what people are going through, and. I want to go to Washington and help the, the 750,000 constituents in my district. Yep. Um, and I want to go to Washington to do that, and I can do that. And with my background also in the Air Force as a mechanic, uh, female mechanic, one of the first ones, yep. and um, uh, as a systems engineer, I know how to get things done. I know how to identify problems, find solutions, and then make sure those are incorporated. Are you a lifelong Californian? Uh, I have been lived in California now for 30 years. Wow, 30 years. Awesome. And tell me just, you know, I got about a minute left. Tell me about the district itself. I mean, is it a working class district? Is it an inland district? I don't know much about your district. Um, well, the district itself, is it's really a large district because it's uh, almost 200 miles from the bottom of the district to the top of the district from uh, now north to south. Wow. And then it's another 100 mi- and something miles uh, east to west. Wow. Um, and, it's, and it's a mix. It's mainly working people. Um, the district is made up of, uh, you know, we have oil. We have the uh, oil workers. Uh, we have agriculture. We have um, aerospace. We have Air Force bases. It's it's really mixed bag of tricks. We have Sequoia National Forest in our district. Wow. Um, a- and one of the things that really bothered me was when um, we have a Sequoia National Forest. I mean, that is a... That's a national treasure. Absolutely. And, and he doesn't want to protect it. All right, Kim, I'm out of time with you. I told you this was going to go quick. Yes, uh, yes, go yes, to yes. at Kim Mangone on Twitter. I follow her. You should follow her, too. She's running against Kevin McCarthy. And if there's anybody who I would love to have a hard time and lose, Kevin McCarthy's one of them. Kim, good luck. Thanks for joining us today. All right. I think we should try to win every seat this year. Who knows what's going to happen? And I, I meant what I said. I don't know if I said it on the air. I hope to God that California, when it gets a chance, just gets rid of that guy. Cut that district up. I mean, look, that's what they do to us. I'm tired of this. I'm not. I'm tired of unilaterally disarming. Democrats have been unilaterally disarming for 20 years, and the Republicans have just been marching all over them. Democrats get more votes for the House of Representatives every year, even in wave years that Republicans win. Democrats are about even with them in votes, and they'll pick up you know, dozens of seats in House, and they'll pick up seats in state legislatures because Republicans have gerrymandered the hell out of their states. And it's time for us to do the same because they're not going to change. They're not going to support non-gerrymandering laws until they're gerrymandered out of existence. So where we have the opportunity to do that, we should. In New York, in California, whatever states we capture, time for them to, to get a taste of their own medicine. We don't do it. We don't do it. And, and it's, it's, it's caught us, right? It's, it's, it's led to this 
horrible governance we had. Now, look, I think gerrymandering is the problem in this country, and I'd love to get rid of it because every member of the House basically just governs to their base, and now we have a president that's trying to do the same thing. I don't think it's going to work, but if we had competitive seats, people would have to actually think about the issues and not just go right with their base gut. When the president was acting like a buffoon, if you were in a swing district, you'd have to call him out on it. Now, there are a couple members of the House of Representatives who live in swing districts that are seeing if that is not the case. And I think that they are going to be in for a big surprise because I think this president's been so bad, so bad. And the ones I'm thinking of have been way too close to him in the districts that they represent that I think that they are in for a rough time even though I don't see huge challengers facing them, right? So let's see what happens. It's going to be an interesting year. Um, I, I mean, look, this is a, a year that's going to be a referendum up or down on this presidency. And he wants you to think about where the economy was in February, not where the economy is in November. And like I said, if the economy makes a miraculous recovery in November, he'll probably win. I don't foresee that happening. I also think that people are still afraid of this virus. And I think I've seen him losing huge numbers. I mean, just every time I look at a poll, he's losing numbers among people over the age of 65. And that's a problem for him because that's his base. I mean, we talk about his base being the rally goers. No, his base, the the best most likely to vote Trump voters in this country, demographically speaking, are people over the age of 65. And he's been losing them regularly. And that's because he's basically encouraging people to open up the country. Who cares if they die? Because the people most likely to die from COVID-19 are people over the age of 65. I don't think that's a good strategy, Mr. President. I really think you should walk that back. You know, Take this free advice from me. I know that there are people in the White House that listen to this podcast. They have told me as much. Um, you could pass this along to him. Just play the clip for him. I mean, he knows who I am. I'm the guy yell- who yells at him on Fox. You know, the, the four minutes a day he gets bad news from Fox, that's me. So he knows. He knows what's going on there. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild, wild year, America. Wild year. So but I mean don't be distracted. He has tried now. I let's try to add it up. Uh first distraction was Joe's demented. That didn't work. Sleepy Joe sounds good to most America. I think Sleepy Joe sounds great after the four years we've had with this maniac. I think people want a president they don't think about every five minutes. Sleepy Joe, that's not working. Then he tried Tara Reed. Oh, he's not Sleepy Joe. He's Stalker Joe. That didn't work. Nobody, you know, Tara Reed's stories changed so many times. People don't believe it. People know Joe Biden or everybody. There's no history of Joe Biden doing this. People aren't believing it. It's not, it's not happening, right? She had her moment. She was vetted. She didn't survive the vetting. Now he's on to this, Obamagate, which is just nonsense. Don't worry. It'll change in the next couple of weeks. This is how you know the guy's got no pros on his campaign. It's like every couple of weeks they think of something else. This is why, you know, I said on TV last week, you know, maybe he should get his money back from Brad Pascal. Maybe he should sue Brad Pascal because he's coming up with nonsense ideas that aren't helping him, that are making him look ridiculous in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, this is a president that uh, should be leading 
and is not. And I, I just, I just hope we don't live in a country with people who think that that's okay. I, I mean, I know that there are some. I see them out there. Saw a guy with a Trump flag on his boat this weekend when I was walking my dog. I'm just thinking to myself, like in this moment where he has been such a pitiful leader, he's tweeting about Jimmy Kimmel during a pandemic. He's, he's just tweeting about things other than your health. He's, he's unveiling the Space Force flag in the White House when we're at almost 90,000 deaths in the United States of America and almost 40 million unemployed. You would think he'd be laser focused on you know solving our, pri- our, our our problems, and there are still people out there that are proud to say that they're Trump supporters. I mean, any other time in history, this guy's president, people would be embarrassed to say they voted for this guy. His poll numbers would be in the low 30s, maybe even in the 20s by now. But we live in this hyper-partisan era where people treat their political you know, ideology as if it's a sports team and you've got to root for your team no matter what. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, I'm a New York Knicks fan. I'm a Yankee fan too, right? So it's not all bad for me, but I'm a New York Knicks fan. And man, they suck right now. I'm still a Knicks fan, but I could tell you they suck, right? Why can't people who liked Donald Trump just admit he's not up for the challenge and it's time to move on? You're a Republican, great. You're a conservative, great. Okay, you've got your ideology. He's, he doesn't even have an ideology. His ideology is Trump first. Me, 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 me. That's his ideology. And he makes, he doesn't even hide it. There's no, there's no hiding Trump's narcissism. He's at least open about it. The only thing he's honest about is that it's him first. And if you have, if you don't notice that, you're blind. So how are people still proud to support this guy? They just, they clearly don't pay attention or they're living in a bubble. And that's why I'm going to keep going in that bubble and I'm going to keep trying to pop it. And I'm not going to save everybody inside that bubble, but I'll get a couple people out. And if I can get a couple people outside of that bubble, we're going to win. All right, I think we've all had enough. Thanks again for subscribing to this podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, please subscribe now um, and tell a friend and uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and go to ChristopherHahn.com if you want to message me. And I want to remind you now, as always, to seek the truth, question everyone and everything, even me, but especially him. Seek the truth, America. I know it's out there and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.